Listening to TKO on CFRU Radio 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, and available worldwide at CFRU.ca. What is happening, Radio Show Girl Janon, right here? As you already know, here on TKO, all we talk about is mixed martial arts, also known as MMA, and other combat sports. We also talk about the issues that's around the world of fighting. And talk about notable athletes and fighters, how they got started in the game, and where they are now. Okay, so today is the most special TKO episode of all time and so far because you know what? We actually have, or should I say had, a guest in the studio. We had a local fighter in the studio with us doing an interview. We had such a nice conversation with him. Yes, I'm talking about Rocky Huen from Guelph MMA, one of Guelph MMA's very best Yes, we had him in the studio. We had a very nice chat about a variety of things. We talked about Rocky, his um, fighting career, his um, you know coaching experience, where he's headed. And we also talked about some of the issues that surround the world of fighting in Canada and also around the globe. So we have a very, very special episode ahead of us today, fam. And also... Our interview, you know, it went a, a little bit beyond our 30-minute limit. So what we're doing is that we're playing the first part of our interview with Rocky this episode, and the rest we're going to play next week. And after the interview, if we have some extra time, then we're going to be talking about, we're going to be breaking down the fights that happened on UFC 211 this past Saturday night. And man, I cannot wait to start talking about those. And, you know, just I'm just so hyped out right now. I'm hyped out about the interview. I'm hyped out about breaking down the fights with y'all. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Rocky from Guelph MMA. Rejoice. All right, I am here with the one and only Rocky, one of the best from Guelph of May. What's going on, man? Nothing much. It's uh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's good to have you on the show finally, man. Yeah, this has been in the works for, you know, must be a couple of months now, but we finally found some time, so here I am. Exactly, yeah. So, Rocky, I'm pretty sure the people listening to this interview right now are probably wondering, how did you get involved with martial arts? Sure. So uh, I actually started when I did a little bit of karate when I was a kid, but mm. that's just sort of has nothing really to do with what I do now. So I guess um, I started training when I was 18. So I, I uh, that was what my second year of university. Mm-hmm. And I guess the easiest way for me to explain how I started getting into uh, kickboxing and fighting people is that like I was honestly just uh, really fed up with university mm. and. Uh, 
I was looking for an escape. So, mm -hmm. uh, and also at the time, like, I remember just like, I was downtown and I got punched in the face. Oh man. <laughs> got punched in the face randomly. This guy ran away and I was like, it wasn't anything serious, but I was just like, I was just a little grouchy about that. So I'm like, right. you know what? I should probably like not get punched in the face. And if I do get punched in the face, know how to punch someone in the face. So in the beginning, you kind of did it for like self-defense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because like um, I was always like really scared of physical confrontation like my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like I was not an athletic kid growing up or anything. I was mm -hmm. a really chunky kid. Mm -hmm. And like that that in the back of my mind was always like, oh, my God, what happens if someone just does this to me? I can't defend myself. It's kind of embarrassing. Like as a as a yeah, guy, like it, sense, it seems yeah. like, you know, sort of an important thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So I started training when I was 18. Uh, with the same coach I'm with now, Wolfgang, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's been it's been five years. I think I've been competing for like three, three and a half years now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's... And I'm just wondering, you mentioned that you had some karate background, like when you were a kid. Like, yep. did that have anything to do with choosing like kickboxing and you know, you know, like a stand up sport, sure. in like comparing to wrestling or jujitsu? <clears throat> Um, well, I, I have trained jujitsu before, but I, uh, I think it's just sort of a coincidence, honestly. Like mm. my coach that I, the first coach that I've had just happens to be a kickboxing coach. Mm, okay. And that's what I'm, <laughs> doing I'm doing. But I, I do have an interest in other martial arts and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, other combat sports, but you know, for now, kickboxing fills up my schedule. Hmm. Good to know, man. And what happened after that? So what are you doing right now, in other terms? So I basically do this, and that's, like, I fight people, and then I coach people. Wow, okay. That's, that's <laughs> basically all I do right now. And uh, it, it's sort of hard to, like, a lot of fighters, even professional ones, they have a day job. Mm -hmm. But I'm lucky enough to sort of, like, I guess you could say coaching is my day job, but it's very flexible right. with the hours. And mm -hmm. I am teaching what I'm doing so in a sense it's when you coach you practice as well right so and you're kind of like an expert in that field so it definitely helps a lot right <laughs> I'm not bad <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and like which one do you prefer the most like coaching or fighting uh I, I like things about each of them but you know uh I feel that uh, coaching is a uh, better test and representation of your knowledge. Mm, if that okay. makes sense. Because like, there's a lot of fighters who uh, can are great fighters, but they can't coach anybody mm -hmm. to be better than them or even close to their level. Exactly. Right. So I feel coaching and fighting they're two different things. Although you know, um, to coach a fighter, I feel the coach needs to have a certain amount of experience. Right. It doesn't matter if he's uh, you know the greatest professional fighter in the world or anything. There's mm -hmm. plenty of great coaches that are not what you'd consider a great fighter, but they can they can make some really, really, really strong fighters. And, um, you know, fighting is, uh, is is temporary. I mean, it's a young man's game, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, every fighter, like, that's sort of, a, I'm not going to say a natural progression, but after you're done fighting, what else are you going to do in the fight exactly, world? Exactly, right? yeah. You can, I don't know, you can be a commentator, I guess, or like, <laughs> but, you know... I feel that's this like a very um, uh, it's one of the only ways we have to like live on 
mm-hmm. as a fighter, right? You just teach people. Exactly. And then hopefully, like, uh, obviously, if you spend a certain amount of time with a coach, like, you're going to pick up certain qualities mm-hmm. and is passed on in that sense. But, uh, yeah, coaching is a... Uh, Coaching is very important to me, but right now I'm, you know, I'm I'm just 23, so fighting is uh mm-hmm. is number one right now. And um, how long after you first started training did you start coaching people? I think I've been coaching for two two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was. I guess when I started coaching, maybe had. 10 fights when I started coaching, but I was just like, I, I didn't do any of the classes by myself or anything. I always had Wolfgang around. Mm-hmm. So I started off just uh, being an assistant coach for the uh, beginner kickboxing class, but now I uh, coach a lot of classes now. I do the Muay Thai class in the evening, just because mm-hmm. our Muay Thai coach, Anthony Ford is over in Europe uh, doing his thing. So um, yeah, I'm filling that in. Also, sometimes I'll do the boxing and then I also run the Muay Thai club at the University of Guelph mm-hmm. during the semester. So just finished doing that. That was my first time doing it. It was, it was a good experience. So, Can you remember of a time that you were coaching and um, some incident happened and it was just really re- rewarding for you? It's it, The biggest thing with like, uh, I guess the most rewarding thing when you coach is you see uh, it's not a single thing, but it's someone just showing up over a period of time, mm-hmm. evolving, changing. Because um, I think martial arts is a really like uh, powerful is a really powerful mechanism to like make positive change in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And like you'll see um, a really shy kid eventually over time kind of like uh, come out of the shell. Mm-hmm. express himself a little bit more and it, exactly. it comes from the confidence to be able to uh you know execute techniques correctly under pressure and all these things it builds up right. uh, builds character and uh that is the most rewarding thing about uh what i do mm. yeah that's pretty interesting yeah um i know that you fought a few months back and yeah. do you have any other fights coming up yeah so i actually uh i th- I believe when I last talked to you, I fought in Ohio. Mm, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I fought in the Arnold Classic. I won that tournament, uh, nice. two finishes. Nice. Um, and then actually, like, uh, just lately I've been super busy. I fought back-to-back in the last two weeks. Oh, Yeah. that's pretty hard, man. Yeah, very, uh, very tiring. I'm pretty banged up right now. <laughs> like, um, so I fought in Buffalo. And uh, I think it was a Muay Thai fight. That didn't go my way. That was a bad performance on my part. I didn't. I didn't get beat up or anything. But you know, it was one of those. Uh, like you I just, just didn't, didn't feel right. Like a bad day. Right. I, I guess I don't know how I could put this to where people who don't fight can relate. But a bad day at work for me is uh, is a little extra bad. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so it, yeah, I just felt like an off day, and you know, I just. Uh, I brushed that off and mm-hmm. I recollected myself and I stepped up for a title shot uh, oh, wow. last uh, Saturday. Hmm. And then uh, I lost a split decision there, but you know, oh. I uh, I jumped up, what was it? So I fought 155 t- two weeks ago mm-hmm. and the, the, the cutoff for the fight I fought last weekend was 178.6 pounds. Oh wow, so you actually had to gain weight. Yeah, so uh, the the that was the high end of the cutoff. The low end was one sixty five. So oh, okay. Yeah, I, I just see. tried to pack like 
obviously there's no way I'm going 155 to 178. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I, I, I went for the, <laughs> the other route, which is going 155 to 165 and just trying to get on that scale around there just so the fight could happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's not really hard for me to gain 10 pounds. That's probably okay. <laughs> just went on, a, you know, a little rampage at Little Caesars. That got <laughs> me there. And then, um, yeah, so I, I took that fight and... Uh, you know, I thought I thought I did enough to win, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. the judges didn't see it that way. Uh, in the first first round, he hit me with a really nice head kick. Oh. That kind of stunned me. I took an eight count. Oh. I didn't drop from it, but uh, it definitely, you know, rattled me a little mm-hmm. bit. And then I uh, just refocused, put pressure on, hit him with a lot of volume, uh, started to get my timing down, and then took over the fight. And I, I felt I won the second and third round, but... Uh, Oh, these are things yeah. I can't really be upset about. Yeah, it know. just happens sometimes, right? And right. then I feel like as long as you feel like you did enough, like, in your own mind, like... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you just f- feel like you winner, like, in your own mind, then that's all that matters, right? Yeah, it was definitely, like, a much better uh, much better effort by mm-hmm. me than the, the previous fight. Right. But um, still, you know, I'm a sore loser. It sucks. I try it's to keep, okay, though. I try to keep things classy. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, it's just unfortunate, and I I don't have any control over it, you know. Like uh, yeah, exactly. I, I can just be upset about what I did and didn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what my opponent does is whatever he, he's gonna do, you know. Whatever right. the judges are gonna decide, is whatever the judges are gonna decide. Mm, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about weight cutting. Like, how do you feel about it, especially for the ones that you have to <clears> cut <throat> a lot of weight? I mean, I'm not really sure how much weight you have to cut for the sure. divisions that you have to fight okay. at. But just generally, how do you feel about them? So, um... I'm sure your audience might be a little bit familiar with weight cutting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Is, yeah, but <clears throat> so basically, uh, what I do for my weight cuts is different from what uh, most people think a professional fighter does when they cut weight. Mm-hmm. I fight anywhere from every weekend, every two weeks, to every three weeks. Mm-hmm. I always basically need to be on weight so I can take a fight at the last second. Right. What what people see on TV and what they see in like things like the UFC is like people making huge weight cuts. Like yeah. they'll literally leave twenty pounds, twenty plus pound, pounds to the last week, mm-hmm. and that's just coming off by taking water out, mm-hmm. right? And uh, whatever kind of crash dieting they can do. But uh, I don't. I I really don't like it. You know, it's. Uh, I feel it's sort of like this uh, unhealthy arms race. Exactly. And it's not really a real arms race because it's just mass your poundage. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like uh like what is a what what is a good pound to put on? Right? It's kind of you know like yeah. if you're just going to dry yourself up and put a bunch of weight back on but now it feels like you're operating in a different body then is that really useful for you? No, mm-hmm. it's not really and like the damage it does to your organs. We don't really know yet because extreme weight cutting uh especially in fighting is like uh it's just sort of becoming more mainstream and um earlier and earlier on amateurs are trying it even when they don't really have any education mm-hmm. or correct supervision or knowledge to actually pull it off correctly so you'll see even young kids i've seen really young kids like eight years old seven year old like they look like corpses Oh, they, they clearly dehydrated themselves. They've probably starved themselves mm. for maybe a day or two. They're trying to make that's weight. horrible, man. And there's a lot of like you know a lot of uh, a lot of gyms and stuff like that will put pressure on their fighters to win and whatnot. But um, mm-hmm. 
it's not it's not the right way to go about it and i don't even think at the professional level it makes a lot of sense either because fighting is one of those things where it's like you don't need like you shouldn't need any special equipment to become a great fighter mm -hmm. it's supposed to be like like great equalizer of a sport fighting is not one of those sports where people think like there's an ideal body type for it exactly it's just like you know there's a skill sets associated with certain techniques and certain body types right but at the end of the day you know like if you want it you can get it and my question is like you know how like sometimes you just have to w cut so much weight and is it your decision as a fighter to fight at that weight division at that you know really light weight division or is it like is it your team's decision or your coach's decision or like whose decision is it sure so uh that really depends on the gym like some gyms i know there's a culture of really pressuring their fighters to you know fight at lighter weight classes mm -hmm. or really to push their body to the limit mm -hmm. in terms of uh how low they can go wow okay. but um it is it should be the fighter's decision and i mean it at the end of the day it is the fighter's decision mm -hmm. your coach can tell you whatever you want like even if they threaten like they don't think it's a good decision for you to fight at whatever weight class it's up to you i mean mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's just you in the ring yeah so um but for me like uh i fight between 155 to Usually 155 to 165, but you know, mm -hmm. last week I took a little bit of a, a jump there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll go as high as like 170 plus. Doesn't matter to me. Like, I mm -hmm. don't really care. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I also want to ask you about sparring. So you know how like some people, their coaches just force them to you know go like a hundred rounds of sparring and like just like basically exhaust yep. themselves before a fight and like by the time they actually get to fight they're just so worn out and like you know gassed out and like perhaps even injured so like okay. like what do you guys like your team like what do you guys think about sparring and like are you guys a huge believer of like sparring or uh yeah so each coach has their own like philosophy on sparring personally yeah. at, at guelph mma we practice smart smart sparring mm -hmm. yeah so um People need to understand that sparring, there's different kinds of sparring and there's different time for different kinds of sparring. Mm -hmm. and without me getting too technical or boring, you guys, basically there is that sort of technical flow sparring where it looks like you're playing around, you're running through motions. Mm -hmm. There is the kind of sparring where it's basically a fight. And it depends on who you're working with. I mean, if you're working with someone who is technically sound and they're the same weight class as you and you know you're familiar with each other you can go very hard and not actually damage each other mm -hmm. in a bad way so um you can like when when you spar with an experienced fighter you can go pretty hard on their legs like 80 percent kicking their legs right you know you can kick the body you just got to watch out for the ribs mm -hmm. right kneeing the body you know as, as long as you wear knee pads you know you're okay to shoot straight knees otherwise you want to circle your knees off mm -hmm. Because even, like, you don't have to knee someone very hard to injure their ribs, right? Someone could just walk into something. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you know, you wear 16-plus ounce gloves. And uh, at least one of you should be wearing headgear. Yeah. Not because uh, headgear, like, protects your head from, like, head trauma. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's that the one person, like, uh, in wearing the headgear, if you headbutt each other, there's not going to be a cut that opens up preventing yeah. you from fighting. And yeah, so just like you were saying, I feel like the reason why some people are just really, you know, um, just cautious about sparring is that they don't want their fighters to get head trauma and stuff like that. So I guess as long as you're careful about not, you know, just 
going for the head every single time if you're just sparring with someone who has a fight coming up. I guess you should be all right as long as you have like other points in mind and try to like improve on those things. So yeah, for sure. There's there's a uh, there's like ego sparring where like yeah. you hit people you both feel good you feel like a yeah <laughs> you know like a, a barbarian you're like oh yeah uh. <laughs> oh, I hit people I'm strong but uh the way you should be working in sparring is you want to try things new things you want to work on things you want to perfect techniques you want to exactly. uh, always add to your game and yeah. um honestly you could you could you can spar every day you can spar 7 mm -hmm. days a week so long as you do it correctly Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's, and like you know, sometimes uh, it's not full. You don't do everything. Sometimes you cut it down to like a, a sparring drill. Mm -hmm. But it, you you need that feedback working with another body, mm -hmm. right? Uh, a lot of like it's like a trendy thing for fighters to say, "Oh, I don't do any sparring or whatever." Yeah. You need it. You need to work with another human body. Well, I guess, like, especially if you're just starting out and you're just starting to, you know, build your skills and just trying to get a feel of how it's going to feel like in the cage or in the ring, then I guess you definitely need it. Yeah, for sure. Nothing nothing is going to replicate the pressure of a fight like a hard sparring session. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, you, you, it, it, can't, it can't be neglected. It has to be there. And there's no way around it. If you want to, if you want to be a good fighter, you have to do. You have to put your rounds in. Hey, everybody! Welcome back. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that first part of our conversation with Rocky. The second part, just like I said, is going to be broadcasted next week. I would definitely, definitely, definitely recommend that you listen to the second part of our conversation with Rocky. Tune in. You tune in this week, you better tune in next week as well. All right, man, I'm just looking at the clock right now, and it seems like we're really, you know, almost out of time, but I really, really, really want to break down the fights that happened on the UFC 211 card. So, yeah, man, let's get right to it. So I'm just going to get started with the last fight on the preliminary card, which was the fight between Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez. Man, coming into the fight, both guys were freaking ready to just go in and do it. So the first round starts and, you know, it's just so weird because Eddie Alvarez is just going back to his bad habits because he's just, you know, he is in defensive mode and Dustin Poirier is trying to, like, throw all the shots. But, you know, he is throwing a few punches as to, you know, trying to come forward. So the first round passes and then the second round, you know, he both, both of these guys are doing pretty well, but... You know, just like I said, Eddie Alvarez is just cornered into one of the, um, you know, uh, one of the fences, one of the sides of the fences of the octagon. But this time around, he's not just trying to defend himself. He's also throwing counter punches, which is definitely, definitely helping him to get Dustin Poirier out of his range and just like, you know, make him trying to go away until Dustin Poirier has his arms on the ground and Eddie Alvarez is trying to knee him to the head and he doesn't really care what's being what's going on in terms of like is the league are the knees legal or illegal so he's throwing all those knees and 
man, it's just so weird because uh, the fights happen in Dallas, Texas, and apparently the new unified MMA rules do not apply to the state of Texas. So it's just all confusing. But then the referee just kind of like he didn't know what to do because, you know, there's all this confusion in regards to this new rule and the kneeing situation because you don't know what the knees that you're throwing, the shots that you're throwing are actually legal or illegal. So you have that situation and then the referee stops the fight and man, so it's a no contest for both of these guys because they don't know what to do. Just like I said, there is no protocol to figure out what what's going to happen next when something like this actually happens in a fight. So it's a no contest for both of these guys. That was definitely a bummer because the fight was going in, in the right direction and both of these guys were definitely, you know, shining in the fight. So that's <laughs> that's definitely a pity. But let's just move on to the next fights. All right, we had... Uh, we had the fight between Frankie, Edgar, and Yair Rodriguez. Everybody coming into the fight, everybody thought that Yair Rodriguez was going to definitely dominate over Eddie, uh, excuse me, Frankie Edgar. But man, talking about a surprise in the game, what happened, man? Frankie Edgar totally demolished Yair Rodriguez. He kept tagging Yair with his, um, you know, with his shots and, uh, not only in the first round, the second round, he just kept going at it. And Yair didn't really, he didn't really look like he had a game plan to, you know, just avoid the situation. And he kept getting shots from uh, Frankie Edgar to, to his um, eye. And his eye swole up so bad that the referee has to stop the fight and tell the doctors to take a look at his eyes. And, you know, it was declared a TKO for Frankie Edgar because Yair Rodriguez couldn't really continue because of medical issues. So there you have that. And also, let's talk about the fight between Damian Maya and Jorge Masvidal. Man, woo! Damian Maya, just like I said in our previous episode, he did use his jiu-jitsu skills, man. He was on the back, you know, he was just like hanging on on Jorge Masvidal like a koala bear and just trying to like you know basically rear naked choke him it, while he was standing up and Jorge Masvidal couldn't really you know do anything in that situation because he was just all limited his limbs were limited he couldn't really he didn't really have a good range of motion so that was that was really bad for Jorge Masvidal but at the same time Jorge Masvidal did throw some really good punches that kind of hurt Damian Maya but Damian Maya you know he just kind of pushed forward and um you know talking about scrambling and uh, being dominant on the ground he was the dominant fighter that night and so Damian Maya won uh, a split decision over Jorge Masvidal and um, he's assumed to be the next fighter the next challenger for the um, welterweight belt so yeah man Tyron Woodley Mr. Welterweight champion Damian Maya is coming for that belt man all right Oh, coming to the co-main event of the evening, we had the champion Joanna Janjajak fighting Jessica Andrade. Man, that was such a good fight because it actually won the five rounds, the entire five rounds. And it was so interesting to watch because coming into the fight in the very, you know, in the few uh, first rounds, Jessica Andrade was just going at it, man. She was so fast and powerful. She, you know, she took down Joanna many, many times. She used, you know, she suplexed Joanna many times. But, you know, as you can imagine, that just takes so much energy out of you. And so for the rest of the fight, 
you know, she was just kind of exhausted and couldn't really do anything. And Ioana just kept coming at her with so many punches and a great volume of strikes. And so because of that, Ioana easily won a unanimous decision over Jessica Andrade. Congratulations, Ioana. And moving on to the main event of the evening, man, we had Stephen Miocic fighting Junior Dos Santos. Just like I've said, Junior is one of my favorite fighters of all time. And man, coming into the fight, both guys look, look extremely confident. Steven Majic looked cool as a cucumber. Man, it, like if you see him out on the street, you wouldn't even think that he's a UFC fighter. And Junior DeSantos had his mean face on coming into the fight. And <laughs> it was so interesting to watch. And then the first round starts. There's a really good, you know, kick from Junior towards Stipe's leg that really does hurt Stipe's leg. But Stipe comes at, you know, just comes towards Junior Dos Santos and tags him. Junior's hurt and he goes back, he falls back into his old habits of just, you know, getting backed up into the fence. And Stipe Majocic does his thing. He throws one shot and that drops Junior Dos Santos. Therefore, Stipe Majocic is you know, he remains the heavyweight champion of the UFC. So, yeah, man, unfortunately, I really felt bad for Junior Dos Santos because just like just like I said, he's one of my favorite fighters, you know, and at least in the UFC. So to see him lose like that, it was just really disappointing. But, you know, congratulations to Sipa Maiocha. She's definitely a new prospect in the UFC and in the, uh, you know, heavyweight division. So, you know, kudos to all of the fighters who fought on the card. And I'm really sorry that I just, you know, basically scanned through um, this fight card and couldn't really get into too much detail because of her um, time limit. But there you have it, man. Unfortunately, that's all the time we're going to have for this week. Make sure you go to CFRU.ca to catch up with our show. And until next time, it's your girl Janon right here. And this is TKO. Peace out.